Most incentives are done wrong and they actually demotivate people. When you add a bonus on top of something that you're already paying somebody well for, right, and they don't get that bonus one month, then they're demotivated. It goes the opposite direction. All right, I want to take a moment before we get into today's episode to make an announcement. I want to let you know that I'm taking applications right now for the Create Purpose Mastermind, an intimate mastermind group for aspiring seven-figure creative female business owners who are looking to build their dream team. So if that's you, go to createpurpose.net forward slash mastermind. Here's what it's going to look like if you decide to spend a year with me and this intimate mastermind. You know, when I was putting this together, I really was thinking about what are the outcomes that I want you to get as a result of spending a year in this group. Number one is I want you to discover your unique greatness. Because when you surround yourself with people who see you for who you are and are able to draw you back to your own greatness, so much can change. Number two, I want to help you master your inner game. Because everything in business starts with self-awareness of why things are the way they are. Because as soon as you become aware of that, you get to decide and make a choice to change it for the better. Number three, I want to see you lead with confidence. You know, because I fundamentally believe you already have everything you need. You don't need another guru to show you the way. And I want to see you build your dream team. And that's what we're ultimately going to be doing in this group is building a business around a team of people that no longer centers around you, the leader, but you now have a team where you now are able to free yourself up to be the true CEO and create a visionary of your business, ultimately to grow your business, make your business easier to manage, more profitable, and a lot more fun. So if you're an inspiring seven-figure creative female business owner who's wanting to build your dream team and grow your business, then please don't wait. There's only 12 seats available, so don't hesitate in getting your application in. What if this were to be your breakthrough year? And what if this mastermind is exactly what you need to really grow your business and bring your unique potential to life? To learn more, go to createpurpose.net forward slash mastermind. Let's get back into the show. How do I find good people? Especially right now, like nobody's out there looking for a job, you know? That's what a lot of people are wondering. If you own a business, maybe you're struggling with finding the right people to join your team. Today's episode, I get to sit down with Dave Lure. He's a business coach. He has a background in the, the collision repair industry, lifelong entrepreneur. But through his years of running a business and then helping other business owners build their business, he's discovered what he's calling five key elements to building a magnetic business. And that's what we get into today's episode. Dave breaks it down and really shows us the key steps for us to create an attractive business, a company, where people wanna come work for us. And that's important, more now than ever. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with my friend and fellow business coach, Dave Lure. All right, so I'm sitting here with Dave Lure, lifelong entrepreneur, he's a keynote speaker, and he's an author, wrote a book, The Secrets of America's Greatest Body Shops. And the more I've gotten to know Dave, the more he shares some of the principles he teaches his clients, the more you could replace body shops with the greatest businesses. So I think what we get into today is going to be more universal and, and transcend one industry because Dave's most current work, he's really been working on what are the key elements to having a magnetic business? and I think the times we live in today, it's more important than ever, you know, to find great people, attract those great people and keep those great people to build a thriving organization. And so that's what we're going to get into today. So I've got Dave here. Dave, would you mind introducing yourself a little further? Add to whatever I just shared. Feel free. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Zach. It is an, definitely an honor uh, to be here today with you, my friend. And we have become friends over the past few months and really enjoyed getting to know you. I own a couple different companies, and one of them's called Elite Body Shop Solutions. And that, that business is specifically for auto body repair shops. But what's really exciting is this year, my team and I have built a whole new division 
designed towards helping people solve their talent shortage problems. So we've got a new brand called The Limitless Entrepreneur, right? Talk about you know creating purpose. That's that's one of the things that we help do. But our, our our first big drive this year is to help people solve their talent shortage problems, right? And I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I think you know that. You know, by the time I was 22, I owned and operated a million dollar a year auto body shop. And because I didn't know what the hell I was doing as a businessman back then, several years later, I I failed miserably. I went out of business, owed a bunch of people a bunch of money, and I uh, made a decision that's never going to happen again. So by 2003, I'd already been in the auto body business for over a dozen years, you know, and then now I'm working for somebody else as an employee. But then something really cool happened, Zach. I was under an F-150 and I'm fighting another stubborn, rusty bolt. When a bandmate called me, yeah, I played in a band called Lonesome Road back, you know, back then on, on the weekends and over the summers. And this guy, his name's BJ. He says, dude, we got a gig at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. I couldn't believe it, right? This moment, it changed my life forever. So we went on and we played that Bluebird show. And the next thing you know, I'm moving my entire family to Nashville to start a crazy new life as an entertainer. It was incredible. We had some amazing experiences. We toured, you know, we traveled around in a big bus opening for all the biggest stars like Brooks and Dunn and, and pretty much everybody else, you name it. What's difficult about the music business that people don't really understand is there's no money in it unless you're like at the very, very top. It's it's, it's very difficult. As And I'm sure a lot of artists that are listening to this can relate. It's another art form, isn't it? So one day, my band is playing a set and we're at the world famous Tootsie's Orchid Lounge. You've probably been there if you've ever been. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, who hasn't been there? And we're on a break. We're playing upstairs and we're on we're on a break and the slick looking like big shot. Dude's got a cigar. He comes walking up to me and says, you see my daughter over there? She's super talented. I'm getting her a record deal and I want you boys to be her backup band. So for $400 a week, this guy basically buys my band from under me, right? And I'm out. So I go back again to working for other people again in auto body shops. So by, I think it was 2012, all the body shops, right? All the collision repair businesses and a lot of other business were being swallowed up by consolidators, you know? So Mr. Big Shot, again, out there buying up all the small businesses. So yeah, the company I was managing at the time was purchased by a giant corporation. So I finally became an entrepreneur once again, because right, that's that's what's in my heart, right? There's nothing wrong with working for other people, but in my heart of hearts, I'm an entrepreneur helping small businesses, you know, like some of your listeners take taking on the Mr. Big Shots of the world, helping them, helping them dominate the competition and keeping the businesses that they love. So that's that's what I do now. Yeah, I'm so glad you shared that because when we first met, you shared some of your story with me and we kind of, I don't know if kindred spirits the right way, but most people don't know about me is I grew up a rodeo athlete, you know, and, and there's something about our stories that really kind of determine, I think, our entrepreneurial path, like what you did, what I did, like most people weren't doing that. And just like most entrepreneurs are kind of stepping off the beaten path and building their own way. And isn't it crazy? I, I yeah. you know, after I heard your story, you know, and, and I'm thinking, God, I wonder if I played at one of the rodeos that he was, right. you know, he was a saddle bronc at, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking about last night, what, what we could spend our time together really digging into, especially for the listeners, because, you know, I, we both coach entrepreneurial clients, entrepreneurial businesses, and I, I'll be honest, I'm hearing this more now than I ever have. Now, I've always heard this since I was a little kid when I, growing up in a grocery store, my mom and dad owned a grocery store. I remember them always complaining about how hard it was to find good help, they would say. And so I'm used to, I've heard this story, you know, and but it is becoming louder, especially through the pandemic. And one of the biggest obstacles my clients tell me they're there that keep them up at night is how do I, how do I find good people? 
they're starting to become more aware of, you know what, for me to really realize my vision and bring my, my vision to life, I'm going to have to build a dream team around me. I'm going to have to find great people so that I can lean into my unique greatness and do what only I can do. But how do I find these people? Because it's tough out there. And it, it, you know, from what I'm hearing, it is tough out there. And the more you and I have talked, I really like your approach. And, you know, just, just this morning, you were sharing with me some of the work you're putting together around the, the five key elements of a magnetic business. And, you know, didn't know we'd go here today, but I, let's go here. If you're prepared, I know you're, you're working through this right now, but could we spend some time just talking about how do we create a magnetic business that attracts great people to it and keeps great people so that the business can thrive? You know, my passion and my team's passion is, is helping small business people grow personally and, and grow their business. And like I mentioned earlier, to be able to take on giant corporations. And we have such an amazing opportunity to do that right now as small businesses by focusing on becoming the best at what we do instead of just the biggest. When we focus on building a best model, the best at whatever it is that you do, that gives us a real big opportunity to take on the Goliaths of the world. But it's been very difficult before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and now the world has changed. People have a different attitude towards what they consider a job that they want to go to work for. And some people just said, you know what? I don't need this crap. I don't need to work in a toxic work environment. And we all know this thing called the Great Resignation. Last November alone, 4.5 million people in the U.S. alone just quit their jobs. So I'm out of here. And people in most of the trade, I mean, most of our clients are in the trades business. And they're all screaming and yelling that we don't have great talent. And I believed that for a while, Zach. But, but now I have a slightly different belief after we've done some research. And that's, we have a shortage of great places to work. Yeah. Well, right. Ouch. Right. It, it, it's ouch because, you know, some of our clients, well, Dave, that doesn't sound very friendly, you know, but it's, it's, it's about us taking personal responsibility and realizing that there are actually a lot of great people out there that might become, might be willing to come and work for us. If we just do some things different case in point, Every time I fly into Los Angeles, I go to In-N-Out Burger. Ever been to In-N-Out Burger? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I remember I was in Dallas, Texas. They first opened up. We went there every night. Love that place. Right? Yeah. So if you go, if you go there today, right, and you walk in there, the place is full of like millennial and Gen Z kind of people. All the people that say we that don't want to come to work for us, but they're willing to work at In-N-Out Burger give great customer service, give top quality, consistent food, right? With a smile on their face every time. Why is that? Why can In-N-Out Burger provide meaningful work to the younger generations? And a lot of us can't. And they're just flipping burgers and cutting fresh French fries. So it really got me thinking, what are they doing? What are the outliers in business doing that, seems to attract and retain people. And we came up with five different things. Would you like to know what those, what those things are? Yes, I would. It, I would love to know. Would, would, with, the, with the listeners, come on. Yes. Do the listeners want to know what these five things are. First thing is meaningful work. So what is meaningful work? It's having as a business, a noble cause. It could, it could be difference that we're making in someone's life. It could be changing the world. It could be on a grand scale like that, or it could be something as simple as, as I want this business to be the best. And I want my team to feel like they're working for the best. So these are different ways to create meaningful work. All right. The second one is acknowledgement. This one sounds pretty simple, Right. And you say, well, these these kids these days, they require a lot of acknowledgement. But the, the truth is, is I think most people nowadays really appreciate being acknowledged for the work they're doing. It answers the question, do I matter? Do I matter? Right. Meaningful work means does what I do matter? 
Is what I do matters meaningful work? Do I matter is acknowledgement. Number three is measurement. I, I find that people, most people, not just the younger generations, but especially the younger generation, they want to know how I'm doing relative to a known goal or metric. That measurement. There's a story I teach my clients, you know, growing up on the playground, playing basketball. If we were just jacking around, we were shooting half half quarters, you know, just trying to be crazy. But when we were playing and keeping score, everybody was bringing a whole new level of focus and energy, right? So you play different when you're keeping score. When you said measurement, I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Businesses that know how to gamify what they do are have, have engaged employees. Yeah. And everybody knows how they are doing, right? And it's no guess what the boss thinks of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, in my generation, it's like, well, it must have been a good day. The boss hasn't yelled at me today. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> well said. Yeah. You know, when you're doing a bad job, you'll know it. But how about when I'm doing a good job? Right? What else? Let's Yeah, let's get yeah. into the others. The number four, be part of a team. Now, this is particularly important with the younger generation. My, my daughter, Taylor architecture major. She's actually in grad school right now. Super proud of her. Went to school for years. Costs a lot more money to send a kid to architecture school than I think even becoming a doctor. I, it's, I had no idea. It's like, you're just drawing pictures, aren't you? No. So she comes home and gets a paid internship, which is kind of nice. little emphasis on the paid part there. And dad's super proud seeing her go to work, you know, my daughter's growing up, she's getting a real job. But every day she comes home and she's miserable. I'm like, honey, how was your day at work? Sucked. Goes upstairs, slams her door. All right. Next day comes home. Honey, how was work today? It had to have been better than you. Don't even want to talk about it. Goes upstairs, slams the door. And I finally got coaxed it out of her that at this job, she would come in, she had like a, a desk in like a dark corner of the office, and they would feed her random, meaningless jobs. She had no idea what they were even for. You know, like just scanning documents and putting them into a computer. So next year, she comes home, right? She's at Miami of Ohio in, in, uh, in her cl class. She comes home for summer break, gets another internship at a different architecture firm in Nashville. and. She comes home after day one and she's beaming, right? She's got this big smile on her face. And I go, honey, this looks like you had a great day. She says, oh my God, yeah, I got to work on a team today. They treated me like family. And we talked about how whimsical lighting could affect the mood of the children at the new children's hospital wing. And she says, Oh, and there's this boy, his name's James. Oh my God, he's such a great architect. Oh my God, daddy's so funny, right? She, she was so in such a good mood. I think she even offered to do the dishes that night, <laughs> right? So the, the, the point here, right, was that they put her on a team, right? Remember being part of a team, number four here, and meaningful work. This job right out of the gate on day one provided two of those things for her and changed her life. And it changed mine in how I help companies provide meaningful work and, and, and teamwork. Because now I'm thinking, is there a James at this business? Right? Are they talking about the equivalent of whimsical lighting? Right? In my world, it could be, how does twisting wrenches you know, change somebody's life if they're if they're in a mechanical shop, right? How does how do we connect the dots to something more meaningful? Teamwork is what young people want nowadays. And the fifth one is goal guidance. We have a belief that we can't we can't afford to pay what young people want to come into our industry. And what we're finding is that they will you can probably afford them if you do this. If you can demonstrate to them how you will help them reach their career goals, we call that uh, career pathing, goal guidance. 
If you can demonstrate to them how you can help them reach their goals, they will help you reach yours. I'm just listening to these and they're so simple. So simple. It's almost common sense. It is. But it's not common practice. It's not. And there's a depth to this. You know, somebody like yourself who's lived this and and really worked with these guys and, and taught others, you know, you and I, like, you, there's a much greater depth to these that really you're going to say, are you doing these or not? You either do them or you don't do them in your business. There's an exercise that we we run people through. And we did this with some auto body repair shops that were in uh, one of my groups, for example. And we actually asked them to rate themselves on a scale of one to five Mm -hmm. on each one of these five points. And the scores came back. You know, these people were being honest and the scores were incredibly low. But it was kind of a wake-up moment for them as well, right? And it's not that they're bad people. It's just that these are every everything that we talked about in these five key elements, these are all teachable, learnable skills that if we just have some awareness about them and and some personal taking some personal responsibility on how well we're performing on these five key elements, you can dramatically change your business. Yeah. Right. Because if you're scoring down around you know, uh, a 15, we consider that a business that repels people. If you're scoring up around an 18, 20 to 25, we feel that is a business that actually attracts and retains people. And you may be already thinking about this. It'd be interesting to create an assessment for the employees to take. Because sometimes the business owner sees it one way, yeah. but the entire organization, the team sees it a, a different way. And there's often, there's sometimes a gap of perspective. And so anyway, I think I love that as a tool. Isn't that great? Yeah. 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 And there's so many directions. I'm glad we got all five of these out on the table. So now we can dig a little deeper because there's so many directions. I find myself wanting to go with these because they're so powerful. We've got a clinic that we're going to launch in June. And it's just called the employer of choice one day clinic. And anybody's welcome to come to these, right? They don't have to be in the automotive trades. It's, it's, this is open for small business in general, but we teach what we call the three-step plan, how to build the, the, the best, build the best is the first step. And that's what we talked about. That's where we teach those five key elements. But then once we've built it, how do we find the best, which is step number two? What I find, and I really, my, my friends in the auto body business, for example, are like the worst at this, but how do we write a compelling help wanted ad? We're so bad at that. We have to put our marketing hats on and, and think like, what is the ideal person that we want to come to work for us? Yes. And how do I write an ad to attract that type of person while filtering out all the people that we don't want? Yes. I spent hours looking at ads on Indeed and they're just the worst. Well, yeah. And, (laughs) you know, on that topic, I think it's also a challenge for some business owners to get really clear on who they really do need on their team. So many business owners, my experience is they, they just feel like they need help. I just need somebody to help take some of this stuff, ticky tack stuff off my plate. And they miss the bigger picture of, wait a minute, what if I had someone actually own a function of my business, like literally own it? Like, I don't even have to think about it anymore. Now, all of a sudden, you're you're going to attract more of the right types of people when you create that compelling, challenging job description that actually depicts that opportunity that somebody's looking for. Nobody wants to sign up just to help out. You know, they, they want to have meaningful work. They want to have something that they can find mastery in and go deep in and feel challenged by. So, yeah. And you've also got to be able to answer the question, where do the people that I want to work for me, where are they now? Yeah. So if you go to like, what's that monster.com or Indeed or one of those, who are the people that hang out there looking for work? Who are the who are the the type of people that are hanging out? There's somebody that either hates their job or they're unemployed. And in many cases, those might that might not be the, the ideal candidate for you. Most of the ideal candidates, are they not working for somebody else right now? Yeah. So where do you how, how do you find those? Yeah, how do you find those ideal candidates? 
So we 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 did an experiment, and I think I, I'm convinced this will work in any industry, whether you're in an auto body shop, a mechanic shop, or an artist, right? Looking for some some people. It's called Facebook. Ah, we we worked with a guy. His name's Nelly. We call him our Facebook ninja. And we did an experiment for an auto body repair shop that was really struggling to find some talent. And we had this guy create a video of himself, right? Talking a short, compelling story that helps the viewer, the potential, the, the candidate, give them a, a sense of why they would want to come to work there. What's your why? Right. And then they before they go on to talk about all the features and benefits of the job, they talk about why it would be a good place to work. You know, we use keywords like part of a team, meaningful work, helping people. Right. We use specific keywords. And within two weeks, this person, after spending thousands of dollars on Indeed, had three people that they hired. On Facebook, right? We were able to create the targeting ads to find the type of people that they want. Interesting, isn't it? It really is. And sometimes it's as simple as telling telling your friends and family and, and your other business owners who you're looking for. It, the simplicity of that, like there's so much power in Facebook and and but just simply getting clear on who you're looking for, like crystal clear, is gonna automatically start to attract that person to you. And sharing it. And so, you know, I worked for an organization for almost 12 years. And I would I would say it hit all five of the marks you shared, you know, those meaningful work, acknowledgement, measurement, being part of a team, goal guidance. So I I got the opportunity to see what that feels like from being being part of that team. And the CEO of that organization, he said this to me all the time. He says, the way to find great people is through other great people. And so one of our biggest sources of hiring was through referrals. Like just telling your employees through the people that work there already. Yeah, to, because if yes, because if if you're if you have step number 1, right? You've built that team of meaning you've hit those five marks. You've got people that love what they do. They look forward to coming to work. They love being part of the the vision and the mission and the purpose of the business. Just like you're going to want to tell other people about it, and so right, you you're they're going to take ownership because they don't they don't want the boss hiring some low performer, right? They they want to take some ownership and and ensuring the 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 quality of the team. I, I I believe that's a great point that you make. So to the listeners, are you involving your team in in attracting people? Are you telling them, hey, this is what we feel the this is what I feel the business needs next. This is who we're looking for. Do you know anybody? Yeah. Because I don't know. I'm wondering how common that actually is. And what's your experience? Do you find that the business owner will approach the team and say, this is who we need to add to our team next? Do you know anybody? How common is that? It's really, really, really rare. Yeah. But it's so smart. What what we're seeing instead is, you know, finders fees and they're just basically bribing people with cash to get people. And what kind of people does that attract? Probably not, probably not the best kind of people, right? But if having that conversation with your team, I think is critical. Now there, there is a business in Troy, Michigan, Troy Auto Care, they got 90 employees, three locations, never a talent shortage, right? But they're always recruiting. Over here at my company, we call it ABR, always be recruiting. Yes. Right. So even if you don't have an opening right now, you still need to be out there building relationships with the best people. And and what uh, this guy up in Troy, Michigan does is he he follows this philosophy, but his employees are actually the ones doing the referring. They hardly the only time they ever have a, an opening is because they keep growing. Right. And they've got a line of people beating a path to their door to come to work there. Yeah. Their average age of the technicians is is 35. Now, that may sound old, but the average age in that industry is 47. Yeah. If you get this right, there's this huge talent pool of young, hungry people out there. But it it starts with step one, those five key elements of of a magnetic business. Because if you don't have those, you're not going to you're not going to have the environment for the best. You're just not. You're 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 going to 
repel them from your business. And I, I think, I think that, gosh, there's so much, this work that you're doing is so important because I've been in the the workplace and seen what businesses are doing, large organizations, and it makes me cringe. The entitlements and the the, the referral bonuses, like refer somebody and get a thousand bucks. Like we're doing everything to find people when what you're defining is like creating a culture of, we love being here and we want others to be a part of this. And just out of the goodness of our hearts, we're going to tell everybody we know that there's a job opening. You need to come. You need to be a part of this. We're doing something that's meaningful, that's significant. You don't need the entitlements. You don't need the incentives. And the. so I want to share this story that you made me think of this. I don't know where I heard this, but there was this school that was struggling with getting the parents to pick the kids up on time. And they just were like, what are we going to do? You know, there's, it wasn't a major issue, but there's just parents that would be late from pickup and they were trying to get the teachers home on time. And they decided to enact a fee. There's a $15 penalty for picking up your child late, $15. <laughs> Guess what happened? The late pickups increased. I believe it. Yeah. And because, because people are like, well, you know what? It's 15 bucks. It's fine. It's like 15 minutes. That's less than I pay my babysitter for the hour. I can be a little late. And what they found is people are more motivated to do something out of kind of just the goodness of their heart of out of integrity. Like it's just integrity to know that these teachers are waiting for me before they get to go home. That's more of a motivation to get my kid than some $15 penalty. So I guess that story really highlights this. We need to be really careful what, what we're doing with incentives because incentives and bonuses actually take away from the meaningful work. What do you have to say on that? Because I think meaningful work stands on its own. It doesn't need the, all the other things. What, do you, what, what would you say on that? I, I couldn't agree more. Most incentives are done wrong and they actually demotivate people. When you add a bonus on top of something that you're already paying somebody well for, yeah, right, and they don't get that bonus one month, then they're demotivated. It goes the opposite direction. Daniel Pink has a great book called Drive that really explains a lot of the reasons most incentive programs don't work. Right, so I come I come from an industry where people are paid primarily on commission. Mm-hmm. The technicians have to you know, get work done in order to get compensation. So on the surface, it makes a lot of sense. But the other problem with that is it creates individualism. It creates efficiency silos. So nobody's got their eye on the what we call the global efficiency of the company. They only have their eye on what's going on in their department. This creates a lot of cultural problems in, in most businesses. You know, what I'm a fan of is paying people what they're worth. Right. And if you do have some type of an incentive program, have it be one that's based on the performance of the team as a whole. Yeah. I love that. There's a there's power in peer pressure. There's peer pressure. I don't like there's just power in being loyal to the team and not letting the team down. Yeah. And and if you gamify the business, as we mentioned earlier, right? And we we attach some small incentives to doesn't have to be a lot. I mean, it could be it could be having a company barbecue at the end of the end of the month if we reach this goal together as a team. Yeah, quite the opposite. I think when you say goal guidance, step five, you shared. Mm-hmm. Can't remember exact words you said, but it's helping the team member see how how they can get what they want, how how we can create this learning path for them. But that starts with understanding their desires and their wants and their needs, correct? I mean, it, I, how does let's dig into number five a little bit because I think that's important because it's quite the opposite of incentives. Incentives is kind of like carrot or stick, right? Yeah. Those are both kind of in a way of incentives. What you're talking about with goal guidance is a little more, I think, a little bit more inside out. Like, what do you want? Let's talk about your career, your development, your path. What would that look like? And now how might we help each other get there together? So if that's true, how do you set that conversation up with a, a team member to start to get clearer on that goal and, and how you can guide them? It's, it's, it's part, you know, first of all, it's part of the interview process to explain the, the career pathing, but it's also, you know, to your point, understanding w- what is it that they want to do with their life? 
you know, let me give you an example of a an auto body repair shop. Since I spent so many years in that space, you know, what we would typically do is hire a young person right out of trade school, or maybe they didn't even go to school, and we put them in there as the car wash kid. You know, their their job is to uh, sweep the floors and wash the cars. And, and then they just get stuck there forever, or they have to prove themselves somehow. That's the way it's been done for so many years. But now if I take that young person out of trade school and, and I say, we want to help you grow. What do you want to become? You understand the industry, right? We've explained the different paths that you could take. You could, you could, work into an administrative position. You could be an appraiser or maybe a shop manager someday or a parts manager, or maybe you're, maybe you enjoy touching the cars and working on that aspect of it. Perhaps we could teach you how to repair small dents and, and repair plastic bumpers. And, and then maybe someday you could be a structural technician where we teach you how to weld and do that. Right. Some, you know, some people like myself, right. I, all I ever wanted to be was a car painter. Right, because I, you know, that's the art artist in me. I wanted to paint cars and do custom stuff, and so that was a direction I took as a young age. Right, but each one of those has its own career path, right, and each of those has its own steps, skills, and sometimes savvy companies will even attach pay raises to some of those steps. So in, in my case, I wanted to be the best painter in Salem, Oregon, at one time. Right. I need, well, first I got to do this. Then I got to learn how to match colors. Then I need to work on surface preparation. Right. Then I need to learn how to blend one color into the other color. Right. There's just a series of steps with a curriculum built around it. Yeah. You know, the word clarity comes to mind. The more you can give people clarity, but then put them responsible, I think is there. So, something I'm curious what you think about this because I've some entrepreneurial companies really push against career tracks or, you know, this linear, because as an entrepreneur, we didn't have a career track. We just kind of figured it out, you know? And so here now we're a business owner and well, we figured it out, you know, and, and there is something about that. I even wrestle with it a little bit because there's something about that creative entrepreneurial spirit that if you want that to be part of your culture, the, the structures and systems you put in place are either going to create more of that or less of that. Right. It could stifle it could stifle it. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm wrestling with a little bit as I've I've been thinking through this a lot too is how do you give people clarity while also leaving them a hundred percent responsible for their destiny, you know, because what I see so many HR departments in these large organizations do is they literally kind of Act, let me hold your hand and walk you through this, this process. Oh, you've done it for a year. Now you get to do this. And, and it's so like, like that would repel me. And maybe that's just me. I'd be like, no, thanks. I don't need you to hold my hand. Just give me something to run at. And I guess, is there a subtle difference between creating more of that? Just let me run and let me go play and grow, feel challenged versus running me through your growth development process that I have to for me to get to step five, I got to do one, two, three, or four. It sounds kind of corporate-y, doesn't it, a little bit? Yeah. So what's the distinction there? Because I know you well enough that that's not the case here. I think every industry is going to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I'm running a something that's very artistic, for example, I want to create some guideposts for them, but I want them, I want them to be able to, to put their own artistic, their own creativity into that. So I'm going to be a little less defined, right? I'm going to create guideposts, right? But I'm not going to have narrow guideposts and say, you have to do this, this, and this exactly like this. If, if I'm teaching somebody to weld a quarter panel on a car, according to OEM, or if I'm a, a doctor or a surgeon, I've got to be really, really specific. This is how you do things exactly. So I think there's you know, I think it really depends on the uh, the industry a little bit. But even in the collision industry, you know, one, one of the things our company does for businesses, we help them create SOP manuals. Sounds very corporate-y, doesn't it? But we find that having some standards in a business helps a lot. But we always, as we create these manuals, 
we call them playbooks because it sounds a little more friendly. Yeah. Than SOP manual. Yeah. Right. So we create playbooks, but we 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 make the guideposts fairly wide so that that people can be themselves within those guideposts. You know, we're not going to tell somebody specifically. Well, when you talk to a customer on the phone, you have to say this exactly like this. We don't we don't do that. We'll say here are the three or four bullet points I want to make sure that you you hit on when you have that conversation with that customer. But be yourself. You know, you're making me think of the quote, Gino Wickman, author of Traction. He says this all the time. He says, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, we have to systemize the predictable so that we can humanize the exceptional. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I have that book and I totally forgot about that quote. Yeah. And the systemize the predictable, that's kind of what there is. There is a place for SOPs and key milestone guideposts for a, a growth in a career like they're kind of non-negotiable. Like this is the best way to get there. Like we're not going to reinvent in the wheel. Yeah. And once we kind of can kind of anchor ourselves there, now we get to play. We get to humanize the exceptional. We, we There's room now for us to be creative. So those constraints, those guideposts, some structure actually allows us to be more creative in our businesses. And I like when you said guideposts, I always like outcomes. Like when I was in that position, it's like, tell me what the outcome is. Well, that what would I have to achieve or be able to demonstrate? You know, what's the outcome? Don't tell me how. Yeah. Let me let me have some room to figure out the how, but give me the outcomes and I'll I'll figure out the how. Right. And let me make some mistakes along the way. And let me make some mistakes. Yeah. So this that's really good. And so, you know, I'm looking at being a part of a team, that one really struck me when you shared that one, being a part of a team, because on paper, a lot of us are a part of a team. If you look at an org chart, there's other people here, but there's probably key elements that lead you to actually feeling like you belong on that team. That belonging is so important. What what leads to that team environment? What are some of the characteristics or things that create a true team? in your experience? You know, I, I think back in my day, it was considered more acceptable to not be on a team. You know, we we're individuals just doing our thing, trying to figure out how to make our own way. But a good friend of mine, Bruce King, he says, millennials right. prefer to work on a team because they were institutionalized as children. And what he meant by institutionalized is they were pretty much like born and spent their entire childhood with other children doing things, right? They don't know how not to be on a team. Uh-huh. And I thought, you know what? I think he's right about that. But I think a great team has, first of all, I think the word leadership is a little overused these days, but I think a great team needs to have a leader that can paint the vision on why the team exists in the first place. You know, like my daughter, my story about my daughter, you know, in her internship, being all excited to be part of a team because they had that meaningful work, that noble cause that they were following, right? And they all have their their specialties within that team as well. <laughs> you know, I, this may not be real uh, exactly relevant to the conversation, but I, th- I find like a lot of employers you know, and I'm guilty of this too. They want to hire people for their team, right? That they want to go have a beer with. They want, they want to hire somebody they want to hang out with somebody that's like them. And that's not the best way to build a team. We, we need different personality types. We need, we need the analytical minds. We need the, the leadership types. We need the people that, you know, we in, in fact, we use disk assessments, you know, to help build teams and, and understanding and, and having the team understand why they may not like Jimmy over here, Mr. Compliance guy, but we need Jimmy. You know, I'm a I'm a high D, you know, I'm the dominance guy. Right. And I just want to get stuff done. And Jimmy's holding me up because he wants to cross all the all the T's and dot all the I's. Well, we need Jimmy. Right. So I think part of building a team is understanding the different personalities and communicating through them. Yeah. 
I love the disc, you know, an organization I've worked with for two years now, they, they use the disc and I, I watched them roll that out to their, all the employees, they have over 300 employees and the ahas that that created, like, oh, that's why you are the way you are. And that's why the, that's why we butt heads right here on this, like that example you just shared, it helps create perspective that allows people to be who they are. And it, it helps everybody be a better team because you start to see the role that everyone's playing and, and how we need each other. And I, I love that. That's really cool. Really cool. So, you know, as we kind of wrap our conversation, I, I like to just ask some quick, quick hit questions. Do it. What's a book or a podcast or a person that's inspiring you the most right now and why? Oh, wow. This, this is going to sound like it come out of right field. Dolly Parton. Yeah, that did come out of right field. Please, please elaborate. Right. I met Dolly many years ago. It was 2004. And I was invited by my friends Art and Lionel to a rehearsal at the CMT award show. And Dolly Parton was the, the host that year. And I'm over visiting with Lionel over by sound booth on the floor of the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. And, and I, I hear, hey, Dave, there's someone I want to introduce you to. And I turn around and standing next to my friend Art, a whopping five foot tall is Dolly Parton. And, and she comes walking towards me. And I, I go completely fanboy, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's Dolly Parton. Oh, my God, it's Dolly Parton. What am I going to say to her? What am I going to say to her? Like, and she's walking like the 50 feet between us towards me. And she comes up to me. I'm just a bumbling idiot, completely fanboy. And she reaches out her hand and says, hi, honey. It's nice to meet you. Art tells me you're a singer like me. and. I'm thinking, like you, I wish I was like you. We talked about the how cold the ice on her feet was and this and that, just small talk. But she made me feel like I was the only person in that moment that mattered in that entire arena. And recently, over the last few months, to kind of come back to your question nowadays, is she just recently wrote a book called Run, Rose, Run with James Patterson. She wrote an entire album of songs in less than a week, right? She she donated, she's got thousands and thousands of employees working at her different organizations, Dollywood, you know, and the different organizations that she owns. She's got thousands of employees. Recently, she offered to pay all of their employees, anybody that wants to go to college, she offered to pay 100% of their tuition and their books and everything else included. And then yesterday gets inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and turns them down because of her integrity, right? So on the last week or so, I've just been on a, on a real dolly kick thinking about that moment that I met her and, and how many lives that she has changed because of one thing. So you want to talk about being magnetic, attracting people to you, whether you're an organization or an individual. I have never met anybody like Dolly Parton. The moment I met her was like the clouds parted and a ray of sunshine came down on her and it lit the whole room up. And the reason for that is because of her generosity. Her generosity is what makes her attractive. And I believe that to create a magnetic business, we have to consider that lesson I learned from Dolly. Wow. Wow. I, I can't think of a better way to, to wrap this conversation with that. That's a powerful, powerful story. And I didn't know that. I didn't realize those things about Dolly. I, I'm going to be looking up her book. I'm going to be digging in. She sounds like a, somebody that would also inspire me. I, I love that. I love it. So let's let's kind of wrap things up with just what are you up to what are you building this year this year we are really focused i'm i'm uh, i'm attracting some very great people into uh, my company they're leadership coaches we want to work alongside people like you zach anybody that can help get the message out there on building our limitless entrepreneur division right having people attend our employer of choice 
clinics. We'll have one-day clinics to begin with, and we'll hold those around the U.S. and Canada. I've also been invited to speak in Italy and, and Monaco on this subject. So I'm going to be a busy guy. We're going to be a lot of speeches, a lot of clinics, and then we're going to have three-day more immersive employer of choice workshops where people can come in and actually learn the nitty gritty of how to build the best, to find the best. We'll te- we'll, they will walk away knowing how to write a help wanted ad, for example, right? And then we will teach them the third step, which of course is keeping the best. That's the leadership piece. How do we keep them once we've got them? How to get rid of bad apples in your organization? Yeah, very cool. So where, where can people find you? I would, I would suggest that people check out on the interwebs, employerofchoicenews.com. Employerofchoicenews.com is probably the simplest way to connect with us, right? Because once, once we connect with you, then we can share our journey with you, how we're helping businesses and, and we'll, have, we'll have webinars. We've got a webinar coming up on March 29th that we would love to have some of your listeners come and check out. It's, it's called Beating Burnout. So we're going to be addressing mental health issues in the workplace. That's March 29th, I believe at one o'clock central. And we'll I'll send you some, some notes you can put in the show notes. Yeah, so that's coming up later this month. Very cool. Well, Dave, thanks for joining me on the, the podcast today. I, I had a lot of fun digging in and I feel like this conversation is going to continue even after our episode. I love this stuff. This was a blast, dude. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. What a great podcast. Yeah, well, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yep, you can count on it. Thanks, Dave. So there you have it. Hopefully you really enjoyed this podcast episode. And my hope is you found it really inspirational. And also, most importantly, I hope you took away some practical things that you can start to do and apply in your own life. So finally, I have one small favor to ask of you before you go. Wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Music or Spotify, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Love to hear your thoughts. Come find us on social media. Share it on social media. It just really helps us get the word out, helps us grow our audience. So please do that. Thanks to my team, Ashley Bolden, who handles all the admin, and Chris Skipper, who handles all the music and editing of this podcast. For more information on the Create Purpose podcast, you can go to www.createpurpose.net. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Zach.Arend. Please drop me a comment. Reach out drop me a DM. I'd love to hear from you and love to hear what you're taking away from these conversations. What would you like to hear more of? Do you have any guests that you would love to see come on the show? And I'm always looking for great people to talk to and people with great stories that can inspire you. And so if you know of anybody, send them my way. Love to hear from you. I'm your host, Zach Aaron, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Create Purpose podcast. Bye for now.